Thank you for listening to this week's Freedom Church podcast. We hope it helps and inspires you. How are we all? Good. Well, my name is Hannah. I'm on the leadership team here at Freedom Church. And FYI, I have the best husband in the whole entire world. Thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, but I also have uh, an amazing family, and my sister and brother-in-law uh, are here today. Uh, it's so good to have you here uh, with Jack, my nephew. Uh, they're just so beautiful. And uh, my sister's not here, which sucks. She's probably taking Jack to group, but that's okay. Uh, but when, when we were younger, uh, me and my sister, uh, we weren't alone. Uh, we had a middle brother uh, called David, uh, who's in New Zealand at the moment on holiday with his wife. Are we allowed to be jealous? That's really annoying, isn't it? Yes, we can be. No, no, no. Um, anyway, he, uh, he is now, and was when we were younger, uh, considerably stronger than us both. And, uh, and I distinctly remember moments when uh, we would be playing on the trampoline. We had a trampoline in our garden, uh, which was really cool, and it looks like this. Uh, this was our, our trampoline. But the only thing that is wrong with that picture is that our trampoline didn't have walls. And uh, some would say that that's really irresponsible as parents, but we just saw it as being really hardcore. Uh, we were just really hardcore. And we learned very quickly uh, how to bounce right so that you don't go off. There we go. Um, so we, we were playing on this trampoline, and, and every time me and my brother would, would get on this trampoline and, and play together... Well, I say playing. It's not really playing, is it? It's more of a... Um, a sibling rivalry, is <laughs> uh, you know. Um, so, but every time he would suggest uh, wrestling, right? Wrestling. He's my, he's my older brother, uh, considerably larger than me, uh, and and he would always say, "Let's wrestle." And and stupidly, every time, with probably uh, a confidence that clearly uh, was too big for my ability, I would say yes because I'm foolish. And, uh, and he would, uh, every time, uh, completely destroy me. And, uh, and every time, he would uh, not only kind of just see my, my face of, of pain, uh, discomfort, and agony as uh, a sign of surrender, but he would demand that I say those dreaded words. <laughs> you win. <laughs> you win! You win! I surrender! You win, I surrender. And uh, an image both fit into uh, what we're talking about today uh, and the fact that it's Remembrance Day um, is the sign of the white flag. Uh, And I have uh, one here with me, one I made earlier. Um, A white flag, it's it's known for. It's, It's a language that everyone can speak of a sign of surrender. I surrender. And uh, you don't need to speak the language of the person you're trying to communicate to. You know, you can see the colour, you see the flag, and you know what it is. I surrender. And I wonder, um, when you think of the word surrender, uh, of what you think of. I surrender. And this morning, uh, we're continuing our Only the Brave teaching series. uh, And today we're looking at chapter 4, as Sim said, uh, of James. And this morning is, is all about that. Lose it. Don't win it. Lose it. Lose it. Don't win it. Lose it. And chapter four is all about uh, losing it. And I don't know about you, but when I think of uh, losing it, or in other words, surrendering our whole selves 
whole selves to God. It all seems very simple because it's logical. If God is the God of the universe, he's got the whole world in his hands, he made the stars, the sun, and the moon, why wouldn't we surrender to God? Because he's huge, right? But on, you know, practice, to surrender our finances, to surrender our dreams, our addictions, our sexual desires, our plans, our future, in practice it seems a little harder. Uh, than just originally when we think about it. And so chapter 4 of James is all about this, surrender. And so here's what some, here's, uh, what some of his... Nope, let me say that again. Here's some of what he says. There we go. Uh, starting at verse 2. Uh, you are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it. So you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Sims read this. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. Verse 3, when you ask... You do not receive because you ask the wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterers, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again, if you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. Jump to verse 6, he says, he gives us grace generously. That is why scripture says in Proverbs 3.34, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves before God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw close to God. He will draw close to you. He will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Humble yourselves. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up in honor. Don't speak evil of each other. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while, and then it's gone. Remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. Those are some of the words that James says in chapter 4. Let's pray before we do anything else. Father, we love you. Ah, we love you so much. You are so good to us. And God, we ask that you would speak to us today. Speak to us in a way that we've never been spoken to before. May it be so profound that it cannot not be anything but life-changing. Holy Spirit, we ask that you'd come, fill us again afresh. Continue to speak to us in our thoughts, in our feelings, in our emotions. You're the God of all, and we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So losing it then is not normally associated with uh, something positive that we do. Lose it. You go into a competition and you don't aim to lose. You aim to do your best or to win. When you sit down at Christmas for a game of Monopoly, sore subject for some, you don't go in thinking, I'm going to lose this. You don't. You just do your best and you hope to win. I saw some families looking at each other there. <laughs> uh, Monopoly can be a sore subject. Um, you know, when I say to say yes to wrestling with my brother David, it's, it's not, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll wrestle and, oh, I know I'm going to lose. But I aim to win. We don't grow up learning to lose. That's not something that we do. However, losing it, however silly it may sound, 
it must have been really important because not only James speaks about it, but Jesus also speaks about it. He mentions it a few times uh, to the disciples. So here we go. The first time he mentions, mentions it is Matthew 10, 39. Whoever finds their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. Confused? So am I. Matthew 16, same gospel, but just a little further on in chapter 16, verse 25. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. Okay. Next gospel, Mark, chapter 8, verse 35. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. Luke 9, 24, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses it, are you getting the picture? He says this a lot, right? Uh, Luke, Luke 17, a little further on, he says, again, whoever tries to keep their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life will preserve it. And lastly, in John, the Gospel of John, the last Gospel, John 12, 25, anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world, we'll keep it for eternal life. I think Jesus might have said this a fair few times to the disciples for them to remember it and to record it so many times. And I think he did it because it's just a part of being a disciple. What does a disciple look like? This is what only the brave is about. We've learned over the last few weeks, what does it look like to be a disciple? What does it mean for me to be a disciple? And this week, James 4 A life of a disciple looks like surrender. It looks like losing it. And so I guess we've we've named today's message as lose it, but I kind of want to change that a bit because what Jesus is saying, he's saying, I don't want you to lose, I want you to win. Right? He's not saying I want you to lose. I, I want you to win. I want you to have life, life in all its fullness. I'm a God that gives life, and I want to give it to you. I'm a God of grace. I want you to, to know my grace. I want you to have freedom. Freedom. I want you to have freedom. He doesn't want us to lose, but what he's saying is to receive what is. There's something you've got to do first. You've got to lose. You've got to lose it. You've got to surrender. That's how... It works. When you lose it, you receive freedom. The act of surrender in itself produces this freedom that Jesus longs for us to have. And this concept is so bizarre in this this world, isn't it? It doesn't make any sense. You you can't, you know, nowhere in the world will you ever be told to lose it. I I could not think of an example. You you may uh, be able to think of one, but I couldn't. Because it's, it's such a concept that the world uh, hasn't grasped. That to be, to be better, to be greater, you've got to lose it. You've got to surrender. You've got to humble yourselves. But I'm seeing here in James what Jesus said over and over again. This is why James says about the world and how we're enemies of it. Because the world has a different way. It works in a different way than God's kingdom. And so that's why James says, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again. If you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. He's, he's saying this. That God's world, God's kingdom doesn't work the way that the world does. The key to life isn't success or confidence. It's surrender. The foundation of a prosperous, meaningful, life full life isn't possessions and wealth but it's humility and generosity. Humbling ourselves before God isn't a weakness, which the world would say it is, but it's a strength. 
Humbling ourselves before God is not an act of defeat, but a sign of victory when we surrender. The act of surrender doesn't produce captivity, but instead it it produces this freedom. And there's a couple of practical things I believe God's led me to share with you um, today. Two practical things that are are essential to to a a life of surrender, of losing it. Uh, And they are, um, well, we are to be dependent and repentant. A life of surrender is we've got to be dependent on God and we've got to be Repentance. So the first one then, uh, dependency. Surrender declares dependency on God. It shouts it from the rooftop. You cannot have surrender and not depend. Who do you trust? Who do you trust? Who is your trust in? Who do you have confidence in? Because if it's a human, then we're in trouble. Because humans fail. We make mistakes all the time. Or is that just me? (laughs) Right? And, you know, Jordan, who's my husband, if he he can depend on me as a wife, but there will be times when I will let him down. However, that is horrible to think about, but I I know I will because there's an inherited sinful nature within us, isn't there, that we're battling with every day. And yet we're, we're striving to be more like Jesus, but I know that there will be some times where I miss the mark. Uh, but that's what's so great about God, that he's, he's not like us. Isn't that good news? <laughs> that is really good news. He's not like us. He's, he's trustworthy. He's, he's the one we can rely and depend on because of who he is. We are fallen beings, but he is, he is bigger. He is greater. He is perfect. He's holy and is the one that we can depend on. He's the friend that will never let us down. And that's not to say that life is going to be easy, stress-free. Wouldn't that be nice? He's not, he's not promising that. But what he is promising is that he's faithful. That's what he does promise. He is faithful. You can depend on me. I won't let you down. Things are going to be tough. Things are going to be hard, but I won't let you down. And over Christmas, we're looking at this, that God is with us. Jesus came. He's Emmanuel. God with us. Life's not going to be easy, but he does promise that he will be faithful and depend on us. Uh, we can depend on him. Uh, recently, I've... Um, uh, for those who've listened to the podcast, I have just paused. <laughs> it's not broken. Um, Recently, I've, I've gone through um, just a bit of a vulnerable time um, where I've, I've got um, a li- kind of a little frustrated, I guess, um, and upset sometimes about different people's opinions um, and kind of the, the way they think I work and, and relate to, and um, just a small thing, really. Um, but because of that frustration, I came before God in prayer which is always the, a good thing to do. <laughs> I came before him, and, and after um, a few reflections, um, it didn't happen overnight, mind. Um, it took a, a long time of processing and, and, and uh, digging deep into uh, what Hazel was saying, digging deep into 
you know, the core of, of myself. And, and through doing that, through um, listening to God and praying and listening uh, to what he said to me, I really felt a, a confidence uh, in the knowledge that I'm known. And, I, and I've known that before, right? I've grown up in a, a Christian home. I know the language. Um, but it, it really became real for me that I am known. But that only came because I stopped worrying about others and depending on others and the opinions and the thoughts. And I depended on God. You see how that works? And so when you depend on God, he's faithful. He's faithful. And he, he knows, he knows me. He knows you. That is good news. And that's, and that's just not a, oh, you know, I, I know you. <laughs> I, I got you. I've, I've got you figured out. But he knows everything about us. He knows our thoughts. Uh-oh. <laughs> he knows how we're wired. He's fully aware of our emotions. Thank the Lord. He's fully aware of everything, everything we're made up of. Our weaknesses, our fears, our confidence. Confidences, he knows us. And so who else is better to depend on? And I came to this realization, I thought, what am I doing? There is no one other than God himself. To better to depend on. There's no other who is, who is more adequate and skilled in the person we depend on. And I really pray that if, if you haven't... Um, yeah, this, is, this took me a long time to get, get to this place. And you may be on that journey to, to receiving that knowledge um, and, and going deeper. You know, God, what are you, what are you saying? What is it? What, you know, what is it? I really encourage you to, to seek him out to spend that time in listening to him, uh, reading his word, spending that time praying to him because he is faithful and he is the one that we can depend on. Uh, King David got this, right? You may know this, this famous passage, uh, but only, only now does it really make sense for me. Uh, it's Psalm 139. Oh Lord, you've examined my heart. You know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You, you know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it. No one else knows that. You go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my heart. When we depend on others, we're not going to get that. We don't get it. Because God is the only one that we can depend on. He is faithful. And he knows us. And so when we're confident in that, that knowledge of who we are, our identity, that is when we find freedom. Surrender produces freedom. When we depend on him in surrender, it produces freedom. I mentioned my nephew Jack, who's here today. Uh, Kate and Paul, who are here today. Um, I love him so much. <laughs> Even after having him for 12 hours. Uh, <laughs> he, is, he is awesome. And I absolutely adore the, 
the bloke. Um, and if you, if you follow me on Instagram, sorry, not sorry, you'll probably know him more than I do. Um, I post a lot of photos on, uh, of him on there. But um, I will never forget the first moment I held him in my arms. And here he is, just a day old. Look at him. Ah, he's just the best. <laughs> They're like, really? <laughs> um, but, but holding him in my arms for the very first time, I will never forget it. Because I, I think I came to the realisation, one, that he was the most beautiful baby I've ever seen, but also because he was so dependable. If I dropped him, <laughs> that would be really bad. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my word, right? But a newborn baby... It's so dependable, isn't it? Without the parents, without others, they're helpless. They're hopeless. They're in so much danger. And yet they have this instinct to depend on the mum and the dad. And they get through life. And he has survived. This is what he looks like. Um, absolute nutter. There he is. <laughs> That's one of my faves. Um, but he wouldn't have been able to get there unless he had that dependency, right? Do you understand what I'm saying? And so when we depend on God, we can, we can have that security that little baby has when it's first born. That helplessness, that hopelessness that a baby has without people to depend on, we don't have to have. We can have hope. We have the strength. We have the joy when we depend on God. Kathy Madavan, who wrote the section in the Only the Brave book, which is where this um, series came from, she reflects on this and says, Truly strong people are those who know that every victory, large or small, is won as we take up our cross, put on our spiritual armour, and depend on Christ alone. Only then, only then will we be free. So there's two practical things that, we, that are essential to a life of surrender. The first one is we are to be dependent. Dependent on the God who is faithful. And number two is to be repentant. Full surrender isn't surrender at all unless we live a life of repentance. During the 24 hours of prayer we had last night, I got a lot of praise this morning. It was not just me, I promise you. There was a great team of people who came up with the ideas of how to set it up and set it out. And there was a team setting it up on Friday afternoon. Um, it was a real team effort and it was stunning. Uh, I agree with you all. It was, it was beautiful. Uh, but during that, we, we gave the opportunity for people to confess. You came through the door, uh, and if you noticed it, some of you kind of walked straight past, that's fine. Uh, but <laughs> it was kind of, it was meant to be the first thing you do. But it, it, we, we put it there, it doesn't matter if you forgot, uh, we put it there because it's important to be repentant, to confess. When John the Baptist first came on the scene in uh, the Gospels, uh, he began to preach uh, and the line the disciples remembered and recorded was this. Repent of your sins and turn to God for the kingdom of heaven is near. That's in Matthew 3 verse 2. And then as Jesus began his ministry uh, in Matthew 4 17, Jesus began to preach. And he said, repent of your sins and turn to God for the kingdom of heaven is near. 
And then in Acts 2, we read of Peter's first message when he preached, and he said the same, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God. Repentance is just a part of being a disciple. And I I really think we've missed that. I have. I don't know about you, but I've missed that. That being a disciple is about confessing the things that we've done wrong. And it's it's really important to recognize that. Because otherwise, we could become arrogant. (laughs) We um, We could have a high opinion of ourselves that isn't right. Repentance is so important. And a prayer that I hope I never stop praying is this. God, may we never lose the wonder of the cross. May we never lose the wonder of the cross. God, may we never lose the wonder of the cross. Because the cross did everything. Jesus, when he died on that cross, accomplished so much. But one of the things he did was to get rid of that sin. The the punishment that we deserved isn't on us anymore. He took it away. And that's what salvation is is all about. The gospel, the good news of, of, of this faith, that this God that we believe in. And so my prayer is that we may never lose the wonder. Help us to recognize the weight of what Jesus did. And yes, we can be thankful, but I'm not satisfied to be thankful once or twice or three times. I want to be thankful all the time because of what he did. And when we're thankful, we recognize, God, I am, I'm a sinner. And yet when you were a sinner, Hannah, I chose the cross. When you were still sinners, I chose the cross. Matt Redmond wrote a beautiful song. He's a songwriter, worship leader, and he wrote this. Once again, I look upon the cross where he died. I'm humbled by your mercy. Oh, God, I'm broken inside. Once again, I thank you. Once again, I pour out my life. When was the last time we confessed? Or just recognize that we're broken and that we've got it wrong. We get it wrong. And God says, that's okay. Because I don't see your mistakes. I see my son, Jesus. I see your repentance. I see your confession. I want you to have life. Not punishment in what you deserve, which is just, but I want you to receive this grace. Living a life of repentance is something, is, is all to do with being a disciple of Jesus. The act of surrender in repentance produces this same freedom that God wants to give. The act of surrender in our dependency and our repentance produces freedom. And so James says, lose it. Lose it. I want, I want you to have the life that God wants to give you, but first you've got to lose it. You've got to live a life of surrender. Um, I firmly believe God is calling us once again to this life of surrender, of this dependency on him and repentance. For more information about Freedom Church, please go to www.freedomchurch.uk.
Thank you for listening.